The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. Literary agents. What are they? What do they do? And in 2019, do you even need one? Uh, joining us today to talk about this is a 30-year veteran of Christian publishing. He's been a writer, a magazine editor, a freelance book editor, an author of over 50 books, both fiction and nonfiction, and he's a literary agent with the Steve Lobby Agency and a generally interesting fellow. Bob Hostetler, welcome to the Christian Publishing Show. Thank you, Thomas. All that just means nobody will pay me to do honest work, so <laughs> I do what I can. So, pretend I'm 10 years old. What is a literary agent? Uh, it's a go-between uh, person, between a, an author, someone with a book idea, uh, and a, a publisher. Uh, acquisition editors at publishing houses uh, don't exclusively, but tend to work with literary agents to find the next hottest thing, the next best seller, the next Max Lucado or or uh, Frank Peretti or you name it. So in some ways, they're a talent scout. And in other ways, they're like a lawyer. They're like the man in the suit that you call to go deal with the other men in the suit to get them off your back. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And a, and a coach, because uh, a lot of what, most literary agents do is is coaching is is helping to refine ideas and make sure that they're pitched in a sellable way yeah now in 2019 are literary agents still important aren't they just leeches taking away 15 percent of an author's money yes <laughs> no uh actually some are so you can buyer beware you know some some uh, you i i tell people at writers conferences all the time you know don't don't just look up somebody in a in an index in a uh, listing of literary agents and go from that you should uh just you know with like as you do in most professional relationships uh the best relationship with a literary agent will begin with a, a referral a recommendation with research with people uh telling you who represents them and uh and how how they like that relationship and that sort of thing so uh but uh, and there are some bad apples there always are in any field of work but uh these days i think uh literary agents are even more uh, important in the process. When I, when my first book came out, you know, I was three years old. It was 1992. And, um, you know, I almost was three years old in 1992. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Appreciate that. You're um, welcome. You're welcome. But it, that, that book was sold without an agent, you know, and, and most, at least in the Christian market, uh, that was how it was done. However many years ago that was. Math isn't my strong suit, but, um, but more and more over the last 15, 20, 25 years, uh, publishers have had to cope with the volume of material that comes to them from writers of varying uh, ability. And one of the ways that they've coped is by preferring to work with agents. And so more and more book publishers have kind of hung a sign on their door that says no unsolicited submissions. And that, that means basically, uh, that 
the agents still have entree to those folks. But other than writers' conferences, um, you know, just Joe Average Writer pounding away on his uh, 1955 typewriter doesn't have entree to those publishers. There still are some who will consider uh, unsolicited submissions from people working on books. But by and large, I would say that the need for a literary agent for representation of some kind, coaching and so on, has probably become greater uh, in both the general market and in the Christian market. Well, and part of this, too, is how the Christian market has changed. So 30 years ago, a lot of the publishers were denominational publishers, right? You talked with your pastor and they got you in touch with the publisher and you sent them your manuscript and it was pretty straightforward. Now, in 2019, the top Christian publishers are owned by big secular publishers, right? Behind this Christian publisher is HarperCollins or uh, Random House. And those big companies aren't Christian companies. They see the Christian market as just a niche that they are exploiting just like any other um, market niche. They don't come to it with a Christian motivation. And so in some ways, even more so, you need an agent to interface with them as well, because it's not like, oh, we're all on the same team, right? We're all Baptists or we're all Methodists or, you know, the kind of denominational motivation that was more common back in the day. Not to say that there's no denominational publishers left, but I feel like they're a much smaller part of the overall market than they used to be. Well, yeah, there have been, you know, acquisitions by by large New York publishers, that sort of thing, of Christian publishers, though the, most of them, you know, still kind of retain their staff, their personality as a Christian publisher inside the larger entity. So the the Christian book publishing world is still still populated by the same people uh, that they were 10, 20 years ago. Um, they're just much older, but uh, it's also, you know, but you're right that the, the, um, acquisition of those larger Christian publishers, there are exceptions, but the acquisitions have, have, uh, uh, just changed the atmosphere, changed the, the process to some degree, though there are, as you said, still denominational publishers. There are still family publishers in the Christian publishing world that uh, that march to the tune of their own drummer, so to speak. So, uh, but but there has been a consolidation. There has been acquisition, and uh, on you know, and some. Uh, I, I often tell people at writers conferences that you know uh, one of the advantages of writers conferences, uh, which I could talk about the advantage of finding an agent. One of the things I suggest to people is get to a writers conference and meet some agents, get some FaceTime with some agents. But um, one of the advantages of that uh, of writers conferences is that you get a feel for uh, how the different publishing houses work. You know, some have a corporate, very corporate feel to them. Some feel like a denomination, some because they are, and others feel like a family, you know, and so, and, and they operate accordingly. So, and that's another reason uh, for uh, an agent to help you along in the process is because we know these guys, we work with them day in and day out. And so we, we kind of t- can tailor things to the personality of the publisher as well as to the personality of the author. 
Yeah, that's that's really key. But that's not just what agents do. They're not just kind of uh, selling the author to the publisher. In some instances, they're protecting the author from the publisher. Not to say that all publishers are bad, but there is an instance of an author I know, very successful um a thought leader, I guess the best. I'm trying to use generic terms to describe this guy, but very famous, very successful thought leader. And he wasn't any published as much as he owned his own publishing company that had sold hundreds of thousands of his books himself. And he was contacted by one of the top publishers who wanted to do his next book. And since he was so famous and since they were contacting him, he's like, I don't need an agent. And he signed a deal. And in that uh, deal, the, you know, they retained editorial control over the book, which is common. And they cut several pages of key supporting material from his book to shorten it because it was kind of academic in places and they wanted to shorten it. Well, the result was he get, he got attacked from the academic community for not backing up his positions because they were controversial positions. And this big publisher got scared of that blowback and unpublished his book and ruined his reputation. And so there he is on Fox News, because he's a famous thought leader, showing the pages that they cut. And it was this big fiasco. And the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, man, if he had have had an agent who could have uh, negotiated that situation and kept those pages in, this whole fiasco uh, may not have happened. But since he was just an author, they steamrolled right over him. And arguably, his reputation still has not recovered from signing a book with a big publisher without an agent. Yeah. And and there are stories all over the industry like that, you know, contract negotiations, uh, the things that agents live and breathe um, day in and day out is are are mostly gobbledygook to to the average writer. You know, people don't get into writing because they love legalese usually. Right. And they they. <laughs> the negotiation process and so on. So, and that's just a a sliver of what agents do for authors, the evaluating of a contract, the troubleshooting, making sure that, that uh, this isn't taking advantage of an author and negotiating better terms whenever that's possible. And not to mention, you know, building relationships, uh, you know, with, with people, we're all, one of the things I love about the Christian publishing industry is that it's, it is a small world. And so, you know, we, we know each other and we have for decades. And so we, we've built relationships. We, we know, uh, folks, uh, even when they've moved from one publishing position to another, we, we know these folks and they know us and we know who can be trusted most and who you kind of have to watch carefully. And we can mediate disagreements when they arise. And, uh, uh, just so many things that, a, that, a course i'm a little biased but so many and i've had an agent for you know, steve lobby he who must not be named has been my agent for <laughs> for since he started his agency you know so um so i i live what i preach i guess i i wouldn't uh, i've long appreciated the value of an agent advocating on my behalf preventing me from making uh, career uh, stumbles along the way saving me embarrassment uh uh helping me to uh to 
negotiate and consider and strategize and sequentialize multiple projects, saving me from get back painting myself into a corner. Those are all kind of the things that an agent, a good agent does for his or her author. I think it's very telling that now that you're an agent yourself, you still have an agent yourself. As Jim Rubart likes to say, it's hard to read the label when you're standing inside of the bottle and you never become so good of an author that you don't need an editor, right? Stephen King still has an editor look at his manuscripts and having that third person perspective, that person to bounce ideas off of and tell you if you're the one who's crazy, right? (laughs) It's like, am I crazy or is the publisher crazy? It's like, sometimes it's not the publisher that's crazy. Sometimes it's you that's crazy. And you need that friend to tell you. (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes everybody's crazy. That's Uh, right. <laughs> but but uh, you need that person who's willing to kind of tell you uh, the straight uh, info, you know, who's on your team, because ultimately pay agents only get paid when you get paid. So they're motivated to see you be a success. That's the whole, you know, the legal term of agent, somebody who acts on somebody else's behalf. And so uh, literary agents are literally agents, both in the figurative sense, but also in the literal sense. <laughs> so Very close. Um, literally. Literary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're literally literary agents. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, I believe you, we, we're all convinced. Okay. We, ha- we need to have an agent. If you're going traditional publishing, the p- traditional publishing route, you really need an agent. But how do you get an agent? So, let's dig in on that a little bit. So, what advice would you have for the author who is uh, wanting to get an agent and doesn't know where to start? Yeah, best place to start is is start frequenting writers conferences uh, and and writers events uh, that agents frequent themselves. Uh, you know, there's no uh, no way to replace uh, FaceTime. Actually, meeting somebody and taking the measure of a person, and the best place that I know of to do that is at writers conferences, where agents are among the faculty, among the staff at a writers conference. That's uh, there's no substitute for that. It's um, be- now there are. I mean, Writers Digest publishes, I think, annually a listing of you know agents who are looking for work. I think the issue just maybe it's a special issue, but I think it was just recently. Um, my friend Terry Whalen has an ebook on his website. Uh, you know, you can you can go to various websites that have listings of agents who are available. But, uh, you know, that's all uh, that's a good way to invite uh, disaster as well, because you don't know these people. You haven't met them. You don't. And the best case and most people, when they're uh, starting out as as writers and they want to find an agent to represent their debut, their genius masterpiece work as a debut author are, are desperate. They feel a desperation to, to get an agent. All I need is an agent and then I'm on my way. And that may be true, but that desperation can also work against you because if you're, if you're ready to just sign because somebody says, Hey, I'll represent you, then you're asking for trouble. That's because best case scenario, you're going to work with this person for 10 years, 20 years, maybe the rest of your life. And as you said, it's a symbiotic relationship. The agent doesn't make money unless and until you make money. But, um, since it's hopefully going to be a long-term relationship this ought to be somebody that gets you that that you like that you that will enjoy working with you and you'll enjoy working with him or her that there's a 
uh, a simpatico uh, factor to your relationship. So I say get get to where these people can be found. And writers' conferences are among the best places, perhaps the best place that I know of, to meet multiple agents, schedule appointments with them, sound them out, ask questions, find out, you know, some some folks rub you the wrong way or you rub them the wrong way. And so that's not a match. But that kind of... Um, that kind of compatibility between a potential agent and a potential author uh, goes a long way. Uh, I can't overemphasize the personal factor. When when I go to the, the I do ten or twelve Christian writers conferences a year, and of course there are many others than that. And I, I rub shoulders with the same people one after the other you know we there's there's only a couple dozen of us that see each other get to know each other and and uh, uh share a, a, an ice cream cone together uh and and so i i know these folks they're good people but until you kind of know them i'm asked every once in a while uh can you recommend an agent to me and my kind of stock response is no because it's such a personalized decision. It depends so much on your personality, on the agent's personality. They're reputable people. And also your genre, too. It's not just a matter of being good friends, right? Maybe that you get along great and you love getting coffee together, right? But ultimately, they do fiction and you do nonfiction. <laughs> or or your, your specific type of fiction is one they don't know how to sell or don't have any contact sense. So there's a lot of things that uh, contribute to whether or not you're a good fit. Yeah. So the, the first step is, is get, get to know some agents. Don't just look somebody up in a, in an index somewhere. That's the first step. And I know that can be expensive. It can be time consuming, but I promise all, everyone listening to this, that you won't be sorry down the road. You won't be sorry if you take the time and get to know somebody first, get to know a bunch of somebody's first. Now, I will push back a little bit because I will say there is a different class of people who do not follow this advice. So we had, uh, I think it was Alex Harris on the podcast, and he was talking about how he and no one in his family had ever been to a writer's conference. And they're all New York Times bestselling authors. And the way that they got agents was a totally different process. They got it through networking. They knew someone who knew the agent that they ultimately ended up working with. And so if you're and, and it's because they're an influential family, right? Yeah. And, you know, th when it starts with a recommendation or a referral, then that that's part of the process. But my best guess is that it he didn't sign with them on the basis of the referral. He probably had some phone conversations. He probably basically interviewed the agent as well as the agent interviewing the potential client. And so, you know, sure, you can do some of it by referral, some of it over the phone, some of it in person. But, you know, my basic point is uh, that you don't, it's not yellow pages listings. Yeah, well, and there's a lot to be said about the speed dating format that a lot of writers conferences use because you're able to sit down in person with a lot of agents very quickly. Uh, and it's much faster than trying to reach out to them one on one. 
uh, remotely. Now, why would you say that getting an agent is so hard for Christian authors? Because a lot of people listening to this are like, oh, I've been trying to get an agent and it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a, a part of it is because it it does involve a learning curve, not just learning about the agent or the agency and what they represent and what their advantages and and uh, strengths are, but it, it's also you know a, a whole lot of what I see at writers' conferences and people emailing submissions to me over the transom, as we used to call it, still do, um, is is that the, the craft isn't refined yet. You know, they're still still learning, still working. And and uh, that is is probably, you know, sure, there, I can, um, my assistant can respond to uh, probably 20, 25% of the uh, email submissions I get by saying, yeah, Bob doesn't really represent fantasy uh, or, you know, <laughs> which is your loss. By the <laughs> yes, way. I, I mean. know, I know, but, <laughs> uh, but then, you know, and so as part of that is that it, it just like when, when I first started approaching publishers with, with my, the first novel I ever wrote, I was rejected 108 times. Well, who has that kind of stamina for one anymore? But I can guarantee you that about a hundred of those rejections were because I didn't know who I was submitting to. You know, I hadn't done the homework. I was sending to, uh, Harper and Rowe, uh, this, this little, a Christian YA uh, novel, and and it was totally an inappropriate submission. So, yeah, it's hard to get an agent because it takes a little bit of homework. It takes a lot of homework to make an appropriate uh, introduction to to learn about who you're approaching as an agent. And again, another reason to to get to know multiple agents as as quickly as possible. But it's also uh, in many cases it's because um there's the the craft just isn't there yet, you know. And very often I I do my best to encourage writers that show promise even as I recognize, you know, this is still a few years away, I bet, but I, I keep the door open. I keep the conversation going, um, with as little time as I have available, but, uh, it, it's a long, I call it to paraphrase Nietzsche and Eugene Peterson. Um, it's a long obedience in an uphill direction and it can feel like a slog, but, Sometimes it's craft, sometimes it's learning the industry, sometimes it's uh, just persevering when you've got good material, but you just haven't, the timing's been off. Yeah. So when do, when should an author pursue an agent or, or uh, when, how, how can we know when we're ready to pursue an, getting an agent? Yeah, it's, I, I tell people often when you have a, an irresistible hook for an irresistible idea. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm always looking for that idea, for that hook, for that uh, brilliant uh, concept that it doesn't have to be high concept, but, but that, that brilliant hook that just, wow, why hasn't anybody ever thought of that before? You know, if, if you're just, if you're working on a book about God, then you're 
you're spinning, you're going to spin your wheels for a long time, you know, but if you're, if you've got something that, that is irresistible, some hook that would make an agent and an editor sit up and say, oh, wow, I've never seen quite like that before. When you've got that and you can write a full proposal on that, uh, on the basis of that idea, that irresistible hook, then I think you're, you might be ready to approach an agent. Um, but it's, and, and this is why now there are many, many agents, uh, start the conversation with a potential client with a query. You know, you can just write a three or four paragraph letter or email and send it to an agent. I choose to start the conversation only with a proposal, a full proposal, which means a hook, um, a summary, a uh, table of contents, you know, an outline, um, uh, an author blurb, marketing section, and a uh, comparison section, and a couple sample chapters, because that's when, in my view, I need that much information to judge whether this person, is, whether we can walk this road together or whether they need more development. I really, I mean, you know, if I see a query uh, and I like the idea, I'm going to ask for the proposal, but really the, I need the proposal to judge whether this person's ready for representation. So basically, you know, you're ready to, um, start talking with agents once you have a good idea and have a proposal on that idea. But how do you know if your idea is a good idea or not, right? Like everyone's baby is pretty to them, right? Like how do you know if your baby is objectively pretty and not just pretty to you? Yeah, you got to get beyond your mom and your spouse and your best friends and get reactions to it. Field test the idea. Again, not to, to belabor the point, but this is Another reason to get to writers' conferences and show your work around, which can be terrifying, I know, but you need, or a critique group, you know, a writer's group, um, a, a circle of friends. Some people do critique and, and uh, evaluation over email or on the web, um, but uh, there's... Uh, you know, my friend Eva Marie Everson started the Word Weavers Network of critique groups that I recommend highly. But however you do it, you've got to uh, get help evaluating, field testing, field marketing this these ideas, supposing you have more than one, because none of us wants a one-hit wonder. We want somebody that we're going to work with for a long time. But your mom won't cut it. Your spouse won't cut it. Your your best friends. It's got to be people who don't who aren't already invested in your approval or you getting approval for them from them. So um, you, you just and you know the more you get critique, the more you get you field test ideas and so on. Even today, after fifty some books, any time I come up with an idea, I have a circle of people who've proven themselves to be good analytical uh, critiquers over the years. I get uh, cover drafts, I get um, queries, I get proposals, summaries hooks, those sort of things in their hands and just step back and let them have at me, you know, and, and, uh, tear it apart. And then I have to try to put it back together again, if it, if it will, uh, survive the process. But, you know, none of us 
should be operating in a vacuum. And so you got to get these, these things field tested. And it's like any other muscle, you know, your writer's muscle, your ability to craft pitches and hooks and proposal gets better over time, but you've got to start and develop that muscle. It takes exercise. It takes time. Yeah, one of the best things you can do for your craft often is starting a critique group because everyone wants somebody else to have already started a critique group in their area with exactly the kind of writers that are the right fit for them. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. If <laughs> you, you need to be that person uh, because most uh, authors are shy and they want somebody else to start the group. And you can have in a community hundreds of authors who are all waiting for somebody else to start the critique group. And, uh, I'm so passionate about this. I even created a course on how to start a writer's group or critique group. Yeah, because and and I I suggest to people go ahead and be selfish about it. Create a group that exactly meets your needs. That will will do the things wherever you are in your writing journey. Create a group. Here's our here's our agenda. One, two, three, four. Because these are things that I want out of this group and. What do you know? There will be others who want those very same things who are at similar places in their journey. So go ahead and be selfish. Craft a group, at least to start with, according to your particular needs. All right. There's so much more uh, we could talk about, but we are out of time. But there is good news, and that is you and I are hosting a webinar uh, later this week that uh, we, we will answer questions. So if you're like, I wanted more or I wanted you to cover some topic that you didn't go into, um, we'll have links to the webinar. It is Wednesday, October 16th at 4 p.m. Central Time. If you want to convert that into your local time, uh, we will have a link to do that in the show notes at christianpublishingshow.com. And we're going to be answering your questions. And you can see the questions that other authors have asked. You can upvote their question if you want to hear the answer to that question as well. And Bob and I will be answering live your questions. So while there's no substitute for meeting an agent live in person, if you want to virtually meet an agent and ask your question live, this is your chance to do it. Uh, There's a registration link in the show notes as well as a link to listen to the replay. But I really encourage you to come live if you can to have that live engagement with Bob. He'll be able to see the chat uh, just like everyone else. And our sponsor today is the Christian Writers Institute's Christian Writers Institute's Literary Agent Bundle. So normally we feature an individual course on this show, but today we're featuring a special course bundle. This is everything you need to know about getting an agent. So it starts off with helping you improve your craft. We have several classes on how to improve your craft, including Mistakes That New Authors Make um, by Kathy Eide and 10 Enemies of Good Writing by Renee Gutteridge and the 10 Ks of a Good Book or How to Make 10 K on Your Next One by Steve Lobby. <laughs> so these are all books that are all courses about creating a better book, which the better your book is, the easier the whole rest of the process is. So I encourage you not to skip these early courses if you get this bundle. And the next courses in the bundle are Do I Need an Agent by Steve Lobby, The Publishing Process by Lynn Goss, where you'll learn the whole process, which will really help you know kind of where you are and what the next step is. Because a lot of authors get stuck because they're trying to take a step that's five steps away instead of the next step. 
Uh, and then uh, The Crown Jewel, The Elements of Effective Book Proposals by Steve Lobby. Uh, this is uh, our most popular course, and it has not only Steve presenting on how to create a good book proposal, but also example proposals, proposal templates, and a whole lot more. It's a really great course. There's also a course here on how to sell everything you write by Bob Hostetler. Learn Bob's special approach that ensures he sells everything he writes. And this is a man who sold over 50 books. So this course may actually be worth the price of admission as well. Uh, there's also a course by Steve Lobby on redeeming rejection. And uh, this emotionally may be the most powerful course. I know I'm saying this with all the courses, but these are really important ones because how you handle rejection defines your character as an author. And uh, how that character is molded over the course of your career really defines who you become and how successful you will be. And then there's also a power, the Power Book Proposal by David Horton. And finally, a course on how to use the Christian Writer's Market Guide by Bob Hostetler. So I know that's a lot of courses, but it really is a comprehensive training on, on becoming a better writer and getting an agent. It's basically a writer's conference worth of training so that when you do go to a writer's conference, you're more educated and you're able to spend uh, less time in the classroom and more time talking with agents and other authors. But unlike a writer's conference, it doesn't cost $500. It's normally $85. But for the month of October, you can get it for 70% off, which brings the price down to just $25.50 if you use the coupon code October2019 at checkout. And for those of you in the future uh, listening to this, you can, and you missed out on the October deal, you can still save 10%, which I realize is not 70%, but it's also not nothing <laughs> with coupon code podcast at checkout. And of course, you can use the links in the show notes to activate those coupons. So, uh, Bob, I'm looking forward to doing this webinar with you uh, very soon. Yeah, it'll be fun. I look forward to it. Thank you for listening to The Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.